Well, hi, friends. This is Dick Flax, your occasional host here on Inside Isla Vista. Happy to be here in a new year and happy as we often are to be sharing the microphones with Jonathan Abood, the general manager of the Community Service District in Isla Vista, uh, among his many leadership roles that he plays in this world. Hi, Jonathan. How are you doing? Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, as always. So, you know, big Isla Vista news uh, that gone beyond the borders of IV has been um, the, uh, I say, hitting the town, so to speak, with uh, anti-Semitic literature. Where where were these things dropped? Were they dropped in people's doorsteps, or or what was what was it like? I don't actually have a fix on the on the physical nature of what happened. Yeah, so they were plastic bags with anti-Semitic flyers in them and little rocks so that they can be tossed and weighed down. And um, it's similar to what happened in the Santa Barbara Mesa area in December. Yeah, right. They were they were tossed randomly. That's what the you know the, the authorities, the, the law enforcement, and the ADL, you know, based on their assessment, it it was there was dropped at Halal, but um, at the Jewish Student Center. But they, besides that one, the rest were dropped randomly at people's doorsteps or sidewalks in their lawns. Most likely through a car out the window driving by. I see, yes. And, um, yes, yeah, so this is somehow a, a regional phenomenon. This kind of hit, hit, this kind of stuff hits doorsteps in different neighborhoods, as you said. And Isla Vista was targeted this time. Um, what's is there a name of an organization or something that says it's behind all this? Do we know? Yeah, the, there is an organization. Um, there, the, there are. From what I learned, I there was a meeting at Hillel by the student leaders there who organized a town hall with ADL and law enforcement and county and UCSB. And so there, that we learned from the ADL at that meeting that there is a group that runs a website where you can download these flyers and anyone can do it and mm -hmm. that's how they operate it's it is distributed and anonymous at the local level but there's two individuals who are you know the face of the group and i'm it's hard for me to pronounce the the name but it's a uh, guyong defense league something like that um it's it's a you know a riff off of the anti-defamation league um their name but they they are an anonymous group except for the two heads of it who are not anonymous and they have a website where anyone can access the hateful flyers and download them themselves and so those guys are not local are they they're not no. it's a national operation okay so i uh, and and so what you've observed about there was a meeting at hillel but there have been other events to uh to show opposition and resistance to local anti-Semitism. What else did you see in Isla Vista about that? Could you repeat your question? What else happened in IV to resist, to oppose the anti-Semitism? Oh, yes. 
Well, that was, yeah, so that, that, that was one of also two incidents that happened. There was another incident with a classroom, the same, yeah. that I don't know the exact details of as much, but I heard that there was a second one um, with writing on a chalkboard. And um, there was a march on Sunday, yesterday, we're, from when we're talking, but Sunday the 5th, organized by the students, Jewish student leaders, and it was a Holocaust Remembrance March. It drew many people from the community and many elected officials like Senator Monique Limon was there, for example, and Supervisor Laura Capps. So there was a response by the students. And they had, and like I mentioned, they had held an immediate town hall the day of the incident to speak to local leadership and get answers and do things like that. I was listening to KCSB uh, last week when when this was just happening, and they were reporting something that was interesting, which is almost immediately some of the Jewish student leaders were out collecting stuff from the ground so people wouldn't trying to prevent people from seeing it really. And that that was interesting that that was sort of quickly and I guess spontaneously what students thought of doing. So that seems like there, there's been quite a good, good and effective student response. Uh, I don't know anything much about the, what was on the chalkboards, but it might not be directly connected because that was more about anti-Israel nastiness rather than um, specific, you know, this kind of direct anti-Jewish, anti-Semitic language. Right. And they were definitely not connected, but they both, it happened yeah, one after exactly. another. But the right. community right. was, you know, right. feeling it. But yeah, yeah they, they, there definitely was no evidence of connection. So Isla Vista's on bluffs, and the bluffs have been here for millennia in different forms, I guess. And they're a big issue. And why are they a big issue, Jonathan? Well, they're a big issue because a very large number of people in Isla Vista live directly on the bluff edge on the 6-5 Del Playa Oceanside. And those are some of the most dense houses in Ivy, where you could have up to 20 people some in some of these houses. Mm -hmm. uh, with a floor of maybe 10. They're, they're very, it's very dense, very crowded, and on the bluff edge. And there have been way too many uh, people who've fallen and been injured or, or who have died uh, falling off the bluff edge from, from patios. So it's a serious issue that affects a lot of people. And there's been real, you know, real harm to human life because of them. So... How does it become an issue? What There's now a campaign, a bluffs campaign, and what's the nature of that? Yeah, so there's um, IVCSD has teamed up with the housing office at UCSB and with Associated Students of UCSB to organize a bluff safety campaign. Um, and it's, it's also about safety on balconies and roofs and, you know, safety in that kind of way is, you know, how... And so we've been getting out different information every day of the, every week, every Monday for a couple of weeks now. Uh, we started coincidentally the day of the big storm and that was on a Monday it was not planned that way, but that's how it, that's how it happened. Um, but we're trying to get information to the community out for one of the reasons was because with the turnover during COVID in Isla Vista, there was you know, loss of institutional memory that we want to help maintain and through IV community services districts campaign. Uh, so that's one thing we're trying to do is 
keep the institutional knowledge that there's danger here. Here's the good preventative measures that you can take to, to be safe around the bluff edge. Um, we're even just educating people about the science of erosion and why this is happening. You know, it's nobody's fault. Nature is just taking its course um, that you know, we cannot stop erosion. So we're educating people about that. We, um, we did a, we did a powerful piece today about the people who have died falling off the edge. And so that, that should be live on our Instagram now. And we had testimonials from fire and law enforcement officials who've had to recover people who've died falling off the cliff or who've been seriously injured and trying to save their lives. So we're trying to drive the point about this from different angles so that we can reach you know, we can reach people in different ways on this issue because we do feel like it's a, it's been an important issue. We had a death last year, somebody who died from the cliff and somebody who was seriously injured. And so it's something that's always on our minds here. And so we're, we're doing our effort to get people educated and aware. And we've even seen the results of that education. There are a lot of class projects talking about this issue now and, you know, wanting to interview us. There's been efforts at AS at different levels. Um, we've we you know we we track social media posts on UCSB pages, and there have been posts about concern on the about the cliffs and being safe and encouraging safety by you know, people we're not affiliated with. Um, so we're trying to just keep the message going that it's not safe and to to how to be safe. Um, and that, that's separate from everything else that's being done. You know, on one end, the county has had in place a um, regular geotechnical study requirement for property owners to do an assessment regularly so that they can know what the foundation and the bluff edge interaction is like, what needs to be cut back or not. So the county has that. It's newer. It's been, It's not that new, but it's more robust, newer. Um, so that's been in place. And IVCSD has been supporting Supervisor Laura Capps' uh, initiative to um, get a, a, a the coastal zoning ordinance amended to uh, make it an easier permitting process to have higher fences. Because right now, they need a minor conditional use permit to get a fence higher than you know, waist height, like four or five feet. Um, and so they are trying, they're trying to, we're trying to change it so that it's an easier permitting process um, so that we, so that land property owners can put up higher fences with less red tape. And that's something we need to go through the Coastal Commission on, but we, you know, CSD and county are taking the first steps right now to move that forward. So we're looking at this from lots of different angles. Are there are there people who actually oppose the fences? The Coastal Commission historically has been opposed. Because it's in their rules or because they actually have reasons? Aesthetic. Like they like they don't like how it looks with higher fences. That's what we've heard from past there have been past proposals to do this. I you know, I wasn't involved in it, but others in the you know, in the county and other in the in the area have been involved in it and the rejection in the past was around aesthetics. Well, you can't have too much aesthetics, even if human life is involved. No. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> so uh, we're so, trying to say we're trying you know dana point in orange county they have the higher fences but they use um, a very reinforced glass that's uh-huh. very safe so we're putting that out as an option that you know maybe that's what's allowed yeah well so uh, you should probably use this opportunity to be a little more specific about what it is that is safe and unsafe that people should be educated about. I mean, in general, on the on the cliffs, people should not sit on 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 patio edges. There's, they should not go on the other side of any fences that there are on the bluff edge. Not you know walking on the patio edge and staying as far away as possible from it. You know, not having an overcrowded balcony when you're having a party. Be mm-hmm. a good host and watch your guests who are there. Make sure that they're not on the... So it, besides just taking responsibility for yourself, not sitting on the edge, also looking out for your guests and saying, hey, please don't sit on the edge of that fence or don't go on the other side of the fence. So being a proactive host. At the end of the day, there's not that many houses that are on the bluff edge, but there's just so many people who live there and who visit. That's where a lot of the parties are. Um, and that's where a lot of the density is. So... There's not that many locations where this can happen. That's the good thing. There's, you know, a handful, less than 100 houses on the cliff edge. So there's only, you know, those 100 hosts, however many there are, the, the people who live in these houses should really take that responsibility of just making sure they don't have an overcrowded deck and that they, you know, ask their guests to practice safe behaviors. So do we think that intoxication is a factor in unsafe uh behavior i mean you know speaking from my personal experience that's what i saw i lived on one of these houses Uh um and yeah we never had an issue at our house we were pretty strict about it uh on staying safe because we were students who were involved in associated students and we knew people who had fallen so it was something that was top of our mind but we definitely saw people who were intoxicated try to do you know things that weren't very advisable and it but it's, it happens to people who are sober too um people like you know when they're watching the sunset and it you know you just you just think it's not going to happen to you you're going to go over the other side to get a better view so it's not just people who are intoxicated obviously it does make a lot of safety issues always less safe but there it does happen for people who are sober and just want to watch the sunset and maybe not doing something safe and doing that so it can happen to you is what we're trying to say. It can happen to anybody and to be safe. You know, it's almost like a kind of a perfect storm situation. Del Playa, that is the street uh, along the, that area. It's the party street in Isla Vista. It's densely populated uh, more than any other part of not only Isla Vista, but of, uh, I think, the coast. Uh, right. Uh, and, you know, up and down the coast. And I'll get back to that in a minute. I wanted to bring some history into this before we're done with the topic. But, but, and then there's, you know, so people are likely to be, and then there are young people who think they're immortal and think it's, it's really cool to uh, break rules or to break, you know, to do the dangerous. And uh, all of that combines, right, to the likelihood of of bad stuff happening um 
So why is it so dense on Del Playa? Do, do you know the history? It's, um, I don't know the exact, I, I know why it's expensive and dense now. It's because the rents on Del Playa can be $22,000 a month and you can have to pack as many people, sometimes with your landlord's knowledge and sometimes without their knowledge in there to lower the rent. There's a shortage in housing in the area for students and um, they pack, they have, they do what they need to do to get the affordable rent. But the origin of this goes back to Isla Vista's development as a student community. And the um, area we're talking about was given a special zoning designation. I forget what it was called, but um, it was a scandal. And the county supervisor who then represented um, the area was, shall we say, a profound friend of, of the developers who wanted to develop Isla Vista. So they just decided to create a special zone. Nowhere else in California is this zone that allowed the kind of um, dense construction, how, you know, department construction right on the bluff. You won't find that anywhere else, uh, I don't think. Uh, certainly not in the whole coastal area of Santa Barbara, you would not find it. Um, and so, uh, and with, you know, I don't know whether at the time there was any warning by, by people who were questioning this about the geologic instability of those bluffs and the fact that you were letting people build right on areas that might collapse themselves. But that's the background on which Isla Vista was really built and developed and sets the stage for people living 50 years later or more than 60 years later to right. face this. So that I'm always fascinated with that IV history because so much of what we think of as the problems of the community rested from the beginning on the university's failure to stop or to just collaborate with or, or be silent partners of this development surge that was not the standard development standards that existed in the wider region. It was a very special, very relaxed, very almost uh, laissez-faire kind of planning that went into Isla Vista. And this was the most glaring case of it, the Del Playa. So there, you were alluding to this, I think, there are patios or structures right there that are in fact in danger of uh, or really being undermined already. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, they're always being monitored. That's the good thing is that there's a there's a regular monitoring and requirement by the county to to check on them. But in my time, just a couple of years ago, there was a spontaneous event where a lot of cliff eroded <laughs> and a patio collapsed into the ocean. And yeah. it was someone I knew. I knew the person who lived there. I had been on that patio, you know, earlier that year. So that does happen. It you know, hasn't happened this year, hasn't happened last year, but there have been cutbacks. Landlords have had to cut back. You know, every year there's one, I'm sure. So there's always being, you know, patios needing to be moved backwards. One of the houses, 65, 85, I think, was lifted up and moved so many feet inland. I couldn't even tell you how many, but it's uh, 
it was moved significantly inward because of the overhang. That was 10 years ago, but so it, it does, it's a regular thing that needs to be done is main, maintaining the, the patios and the decks. Yeah. I'm glad you told me this because I now have a grandfather, granddaughter who uh, is a freshman and I'm going to have to warn her, stay away from Del Playa altogether. It's just not worth it. I don't know if that warning will have any effect, but um, it's just, I, you know, as soon as you that image of a collapsing patio made me think immediately of my granddaughter being out there in a in a party, um, and I so I wonder how parents view the fact that their their students might be living right there. Do you have any sense of that? I know that since we've launched our campaign, we have heard we have heard that we, there's been parents out there that are concerned. But you know, a lot of them they've never visited the house, or they have. But you know, there's no education about this issue. But that's what we're trying to do: is put out education so that they can make an informed choice. Um, there is an essential place right now. There, there's a county website about their bluff policy, but you know, that's a technical planning department website, not really what we're trying to have available for people so that they can make the right choice. Well, I'm glad and you, it's good. It must be good for you to see that you're already thinking you're having results with this, with this effort and more power to you, so to speak. <laughs> um, you know, since we're talking about housing, I, I maybe I have a question that you might not know the answer to, but um, has UCSB taken control of more uh, apartment complexes in Isla Vista recently in, in response to the housing crisis. Is this, is this one of the ways the campus, the campus now claims, the administration seems to be claiming that any student who applies for uh, university housing will be accommodated, which was not true in the fall of 2021 when everyone came back from the lockdown uh but is is part of the way that's being done is by either buying or i guess taking over management of master leasing maybe of apartment buildings in iv for university so the university has control over them do you know about this I, I mean, I know that that's been an idea. I know that they they retracted one that was in place at the Westwinds. So they had done it at Westwinds, and then they are no longer the master leasers there. So I haven't heard of anything new being done, just that one was undone. Oh, I didn't know about that. Which one was that? Westwinds Apartments. Uh -huh. It was on El Colegio. It was private, then UCSB master leased it for about seven years and then stopped master leasing it. Do we know why? I don't know. I know. Right. Well, I think this is my editorial comment right now that the there's a real, in a way, tragedy that Munger Hall became the way in which the campus was going to uh, house thousands of students who needed housing because the result of that right away was to stop alternative planning and approaches to that question and now i think it's inescapable they're going to have to um, come back to these to looking for these alternatives but i was kind of pleased to see i'm not sure 
the Chancellor Yang spoke before the Regents Committee of the Regents uh, a couple of weeks ago. It was like a state of the campus report that he was giving. And it might have been in that report that I saw reference to, uh, or maybe it was online that I saw reference to student housing in Isla Vista that I hadn't known about before. I knew, you know, everyone knows about uh, the former Francisco Torres, uh, what do you call it? Um, the big, the big tall resident. Right. Francisco Torres. And then Tropicana Gardens was, I think, bought by the University of California, but I think it's managed by a private management. Do you know anything about that place? Yeah, it was bought by the investment arm of UC. Yeah. So not UCSB didn't even know, I think, when it was done. Right. It was... Yeah. So I'm not sure what solution that provided, if any. And by the way, that you raised a, a, a really interesting thing when you what you just said. The investment arm of the institution is looking to, you know, make profits. And so they've decided that investment in in housing is a good investment and right. <laughs> but 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 they're not doing that in relation to planning for student needs or for for campus needs is for uh in in some cases so there's actually uh not only tropicana gardens there's another case i think in santa cruz where where they bought the uc, the UC investment People bought a apartment complex, but there's complaints about the, the rents there and so forth. It's not really, I, I just find it incredible that this is happening. And then the worst part of it is they put $4 billion into this investment company, Blackstone, which has bought, has, in, has been buying up rental housing, but that's not good news for tenants i mean i'm talking about generally rental housing not just for university use right and the university has no role in the use of that investment you know what kind of housing and for what social purpose they're just hoping to make a good profit out of it this is to me it's bordering on a or maybe it is already uh under the radar scandal that is beginning to get publicity i think the nexus had a some story about this, or uh, I think people need to be aware of, of what's happening. I don't, it'd be kind of weird if the University of California was buying housing in Isla Vista and making it profitable, therefore unaffordable, would be, would be very dangerous and startling. I, I hope that that's not on the agenda. Uh, but um, I wouldn't be surprised in a way if it were. <laughs> There seems yeah. to be some kind of wall between the university's social goals and how it invests its money. And um, sometimes that wall is breached in a good way, like divestment from apartheid in South Africa or fossil fuel company divestments, but then the reverse happens, so to speak. Um, so that's just a, a comment I thought I'd make is my contribution to Inside Isla Vista. That's the name of this program. I'm Dick Flax, a emeritus professor of sociology here at UCSB. And my guest, as always, a pleasure, Jonathan Abood, 
director of the Community Service District in Isla Vista, chair of the City College Board of Trustees. You're still chair, right? They I just been... became chair, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't deposed you yet, so no. that's great. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure there are other hats we could mention. Always good to talk to you, Jonathan. And I think we reached our limit of time. So Thank you. take care, everybody. Thank you.